What's your secret sauce? As a small and micro-sized business, the most important thing you can do is engage your potential customers in a way that sets you apart from the competition. It's your secret sauce. If you don't have the recipe for it, you'll just look like everybody else in your space. Left Brain Right Brain Marketing has the recipe. Focusing on the needs of smaller businesses, Left Brain Right Brain delivers everything you need to build a great brand. So if you're ready to start serving up your secret sauce, give us a call at 503 561-3647 or check us out online at lbrbm.com. Hello, hello. Welcome to YDS, You Don't Say, stories from the Drew Zagorski Files. I'm Drew Zagorski, and in a world gone mad, my goal is to bring you interesting stories, people, and sometimes off-the-wall conversations that'll help, inspire, or amuse you. They might even give you a different perspective. So here's the story. It's the 1970s. We're on a family vacation, a cross-country road trip. On our way to our destination, we stop in a smaller town. My mom looks in the phone book for the number to the local chamber. We head over to their office and pile out of the car and into the chamber, and my mom asks them about local attractions and the best family restaurant. Fast forward to the current day. You know, unfortunately, a whole lot of young business owners think of their local chamber in the same way, an outdated organization that they really don't need. It's just a place to distribute brochures. You remember brochures, don't you? Those printed trifold things that provide info about businesses. So, okay, young business owners probably don't even have a brochure. After all, they're killing it with digital networking. So why bother with their dad's chamber of commerce? little history. The first chamber in recorded history was launched in 1599 in Marseille, France, and its mission was to further the interests of local businesses and advocate for them with local governments. In 1773, the concept landed in the American colonies, where the Boston Chamber organized a tax protest, otherwise known as the Boston Tea Party. Chambers today don't throw wild parties like that anymore, unfortunately, but they do and always have worked to make doing business easier within their towns, cities, and states. Young entrepreneurs are easy to dismiss them as we live in an increasingly digital world where they can access everything they need, so they think, with a click of a button. So, if you haven't gotten it, today we're talking about chambers of commerce. Specifically, this ain't your daddy's chamber of commerce, and, well, why would you want to go there anyway? Our guest today is Lorraine Clarno, President and CEO of the Beaverton Area Chamber of Commerce right here in sunny Beaverton, Oregon, a position she's held since the turn of the century. She served on the board of the Oregon State Chamber and in 2005 was that board's chair. In 2010, she was recognized as the Oregon Chamber Executive of the Year. She's currently on the leadership team for the Save Small Business Coalition, which is working in over 15 states to fix the lack of business interruption insurance for small business. 
She's guided the Beaverton Chamber through the ups and downs our economy has witnessed since then, including the dot-com bubble burst, 9-11, and today, in the spring of 2020, she's a first-line responder for businesses during the COVID-19 pandemic. And well, you know, she's just an all-around interesting person and someone you should know. So, um, Lorraine, welcome, and thanks for playing along today. Uh, as a way to let folks know who you are, let's go over your own story, and then we'll get into the challenges that chambers are facing and why business owners should make a move to join them. So, and looking over some of the information you shared with me, you grew up really all over the world before you landed at Simon Fraser University in British Columbia. Um, so why don't you take it from there? Okay. Um, so yes, I graduated with a uh, degree in economics and business with an emphasis in international banking, of course, which I have never used. Um, but in the process of my last two years up there, I had met uh, somebody that you all know as Clarno uh, and ended up uh, returning back to the United States, um, got married, started a family began my uh, career in uh, supporting a CPA office in Seattle, uh, right down by the old kingdom, if you can believe that. Um, and we lived in Tacoma at the time. And I moved and transitioned uh, from that role into working for a gentleman named Dick Bringhurst. He had purchased five PIP printing locations and uh, turned the Tacoma office into the master printing production facility, and I was responsible for managing the outside stores, um, was what we referred to them as in, in the four other communities. And that is where I fell into Chamberland and uh, the amazing world of what Chambers of Commerce can do. I was responsible for providing uh, visibility for all four of the outside locations within their individual communities. So I got very involved, joined four chambers, ended up serving on multiple committees and boards and executive boards um, and really fell in love with what Chambers of Commerce did and what they can do. Um, and uh, then we had an opportunity, my husband's family's from Oregon, very deep rooted uh, family. And um, he ended up in the 90s and 95, uh, was offered so, a position so down Lorraine, in Portland. Um, mm -hmm. Real quick, before you jump into the 90s, you're married to Clarno, Taylor's mm -hmm. born, your first, your son, your first child. Yes. Uh, you get into pit printing, you join the chamber, start to get all this interest, you get pregnant the second time. And then I guess you must have got frustrated being pregnant and set the house on fire. <laughs> no, thankfully, I did not cause that. Um, okay. We did have a house fire. Um, really one of the most um, life-changing and traumatic events a family, young family can have. Um, the, the really ironic thing about that, I was at our Puyallup store, and at that time we lived in Puyallup on South Hill. Um, I was answering the phones and working with the staff, and all of a sudden uh, a private line came in, and it was my neighbor telling me she just returned from the grocery store, called 911, our house was on fire, and as soon as she said that, the fire station literally was right behind the pit printing location. And I heard the doors go up and the sirens go off. And I literally followed the fire engine to our cul-de-sac and um, watched as they tried to save our home. Okay. So now 
then you you come back to the Oregon Beaverton area in the 90s? Yes. Yep, 95. Okay. And then how you landed at Hillsboro, right, first? Hillsboro Chamber, yeah. And what was your role with them? I was the program and committee coordinator for about two weeks. I was hired by a gentleman named Bob Berg. And um, right after two weeks of my, uh, my initial start, he came to me uh, and introduced me to a gentleman from the Hillsborough School District. And they explained this thing called SIM and CAM and how school to career, school to work activities were going to be required for all of our kids, middle and high school. And I needed to figure out how to get all the businesses in our community on board to do job shadowing, mock interviewing, internships, et cetera. So I, within two weeks, merged into the position as the director of their school to work program at that time. And I was there um, until I came to Beaverton in 2000. Okay. And were you recruited for that position or was there an opening? Uh, Both. Um, There was an opening. My predecessor, Elaine Spaulding, had moved back to uh, somewhere in the south. And um, George Kyler um, was uh, head of uh, McDonald's in Lake Oswego, the corporate offices. And I had worked with him in school to work. He was on the board of the Beaverton Chamber. And so he called me and said, we have this opening. We'd like you to, we'd like you to interview. We'd like you to consider uh, coming eight miles down the road. So I went through that process and was blessed and fortunate enough to be chosen. Okay. And, and so, you know, your whole path has really been about, you know, serving others, creating opportunities. Um, and so some of the things that you've done since uh, becoming the, the uh, president and CEO of the Beaverton Chamber, the, that, of course, being a woman, you have a specific focus with that. Tell us about you. There's a group that you created there called 100 Strong. Yes, uh, 100 Strong is, I think, about five years old now. And it came about uh, from member suggestions where some gals started uh, repeatedly asking me for a, for a female networking group. And I was adamantly opposed to it. Um, there were there were and are plenty of female networking groups, um, and so I had kept pushing it off, pushing it off, and referring them to other things. Because one thing I firmly believe in is that we have no need to recreate recreate or reinvent wheels. Um, if it exists, then refer on. Um, so uh, it just became a lot of pressure. And so I sat down with the team and said, okay, if we're going to do this, where we're convening uh, a bunch of uh, professional female uh, folks, what, what is it going to be and what is it going to look like that's going to be different? And so 100 Strong is um, designed to provide mentorship to both younger uh, females coming in to their careers and uh, building civic minded community oriented and charitable gals. So every quarter we support a nonprofit charity and we each write a hundred or fifty dollar checks and in the process of the meeting we hear from an inspirer, a local woman who's willing to tell their backstory, which is lessons learned, not necessarily what they do or their jobs, but their life. Um, and we, uh, we get inspired, we get motivated, and uh, then we mentor forward our, our younger participants. Gotcha. So 
then now we kind of get into the Beaverton chamber and, you know, I, with left brain, right brain marketing, one of the first things I did because I had previous exposure to the chamber, uh, joined it. That was 14 years ago and it was very robust. The weekly coffee connection networking event, there was typically not uncommon to have a hundred people there. And of course, over the years, um, you have this core group of people who's always there and we're all getting grayer and there's fewer and fewer young people. Um, and so in the intro, you know, I talked about how in this digital age, younger entrepreneurs are using digital tools to do their networking and their brand building and that sort of thing. And so I think the eye to eye contact is becoming less prevalent for networking, but why don't you talk to us about everything that the chamber offers to a business because it's not just networking, right? Right. Absolutely. So we're, we're really defined by what we call the three C's catalyst convener and connector. Um, We exist to be a catalyst for business growth, convening business leaders and influencers and a connector and champion of our community. We are a group of voluntary businesses that believe in the free enterprise system and believe that doing things together and being a voice of business is what's going to keep us all growing and successful. Business is the foundation of any healthy community. We encourage social media, all of that kind of thing, just as much as as anyone. But nothing takes the place of relationships. And I've I've always believed with technology, I think it's fantastic and fabulous. I met more people, especially in the last week and a half across the United States, using wonderful tools like Zoom and and, uh, Instagram and Twitter. And I'm using channels that I never thought I would. My daughter's trying to get me into TikTok now, God forbid. Um, those are all so important and I get an opportunity to meet people and I learn about them, but it is still nothing like face-to-face connection, but it gives me an opportunity to know a little bit more about them before I get to meet them face-to-face. So networking and connecting is going to be, um, critical for every business and every, everybody in their careers. Um, but it, it just enhances that relationship building, in my opinion. I can get to know people a hundred times faster by going on LinkedIn and taking a look at what they're doing, by looking at their Twitter feed, by looking at um, Facebook. And then when I meet them at that networking event, wow, it's like we've known each other for years. And right. that trust build happens much, much faster. So for example, you know, in prepping for our interview today, I did a little Googling about you, Lorraine. Oh, Lord. <laughs> um, you know, one of the things that I've, I'm friends with you on Facebook. So I, I just, just a little feedback on your Facebook. You often take photos of this really lovely looking food. Yes. Please include the recipes. <laughs> <laughs> because I look at it and I'm like, I want that. That looks good. Anyway, the other thing is, um, in, in doing some of the homework, I found out you got a little bit of a crush on Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada. Right? <laughs> well, I have to stay in touch with my homeland, right? Right, right. <laughs> then um, the other thing is, is the you've you've kind of by 
the fact that you are in the in the line of work you're in and you're convening with business people, meeting with business people, mm-hmm. a lot of business people, golf. So you took up golf. And um, at one point you were thinking about starting something called Schick Shadle for Golf Addiction, right? <laughs> That's really for my husband, not for me. Okay. And so what, <laughs> the idea is to get wives to what push their husbands to the golf course or oh no no the exact opposite my husband is an an addict and um i have started to try and learn that most annoying game called golf i call it a stupid little white ball um because if i don't especially in retirement i will never see my husband because that that's his passion so yes uh, years ago i decided i thought i could convene a group of gals together and we could form chic shadle uh, for golf addiction so that we'd see our husbands on the weekend maybe a little bit more than usual okay the other thing that that uh, anybody who does a little homework on you or knows you can't miss is your dogs talk to us yes. about your two dogs it's two right not three. Oh no i have three three um riley magoo is the oldest he's a shih tzu and he is almost 16 years old and so you don't see him in a lot of my posts and pictures because he just poor guy um, he has doggy dementia and, and he's slowed down really, really badly. Uh, but Dandelion and Marley are two rescues. Um, talk about a chamber connection. This is great, Drew. Um, Susan Cadell was chair of the chamber board when I was hired in 2000. And she, uh, in her retirement, started a rescue. Dean knows Susan. I know that. Um, and uh, when I moved my mom in with us in 2013, I think, 2014, I had a chocolate lab named Porter, and he was huge, about 130 pounds. And I've got a small house, and I knew the recipe for disaster was uh, pretty clear. So I um, had Rachel and Jordan, my daughter and her husband, adopt Porter, and I ended up going to Susan Cadell and uh, getting Dandelion, who was rescued out of uh, Wasco County, California. I guess one of the most horrible places for animals. People just throw their dogs out in the desert um, and let them go. So huge numbers uh, in that area. And um, brought up Dandelion at six weeks. She was rescued um, quickly and wasn't um, abused too horribly. And then a year later, I got a message from Susan that said, I think I found Dandelion's uh, new sibling. Um, and uh, at the time was Zandy. So we had Dandy and Susan said her name's Zandy. She's got a broken leg. She's just been horribly abused. Um, she's got the opposite colors, uh, but they have the same tails, brown and black with the white tip and they, they're siblings. They're born to be together. So uh, I uh, had no choice in that. If you know Susan Cadell, you don't get to, you don't get to say no. Um, so uh, we brought in little Zandy and renamed her Marley because we thought that would be too confusing. But they're, they're truly, um, my kids are growing and flowing, thankfully. And uh, I've always had animals um, and dogs uh, are just my, my absolute necessity in life. They're what I want to come home to now. <laughs> Not that I don't love Clarno, but uh, Dandy and Marley are, are uh, more entertaining in many ways. One of the things that I think is really valuable is all of the programs and education and support that a new startup business can get 
from the chamber. Why don't you talk about that and what your what the chamber does, at least in normal times, mm -hmm. to help new businesses get past that incubator stage? Sure, you bet. Um, we have a whole um, menu of educational programming, as as you know, Drew, and we have Coaching Network 3.0 three fantastic coaches uh, that have very different emphases and expertise uh, that come in monthly and uh, share with businesses. We have pro development, which is kind of an on-demand um, series of education. Um, and I think from a startup perspective and getting to that next stage, the most important thing to share is about our Impact Beaverton program. Uh, Emma Clark is the director for that. Uh, she has an amazing uh, depth of knowledge and breadth, um, and if she doesn't know it, she has the resources to refer uh, businesses out to, and she does a lot of work with our MWESB businesses. Uh, that's her primary focus, but uh, my goodness, she can advise one-on-one -on -one free uh, confidential business consulting and help you build business plans um, that can really take you to that next step as you were talking about. So we do a lot in that area. And then we have partners like OTBC um, and, uh, of course, SBA and some of the other folks that uh, we bring in as needed and on demand. Okay. So what is what is the, the compelling message that you deliver to young businesses? I mean, you get, like we talked about a little bit, we've got these different programs and advocacy and things that you're doing. Sure. What is it that's going to make them say, I need to do this if they are uninformed or uneducated about what chambers are all about? Right. So the business community, as I said, I mean, we believe it's the foundation of any healthy community and no business can, can operate, build, grow on its own individually. We're really an ecosystem um, that's all tied together and we're all at varying different stages of development and we're all dependent on one another. And I'll tell you, there's no other time demonstrating it like we're in right now with COVID-19 and this social distancing situation. Um, we, Young folks, old folks, etc. We all need each other. We learn from each other. We support one another. And being better together is what a Chamber of Commerce does in each and individual community. We all do it differently. We all look a little bit different. And that's because we're made up of different members and different mixes of business. Being so broad based um, in our membership, we're not like a trade association. You know, we have folks that are home based, like yourself. We have dry cleaners and we have everything in between up to Nike in the Beaverton area. And the, these are the opportunities that we can give folks to connect with, learn from, support each other and grow. Um, if, we, if we don't have that, if you think about what we do, um, not only from a, a participation standpoint, but the, the advocacy work and the educational work and programming and connecting. If the Chamber of Commerce did not exist in not just Beaverton, but in, in every community in one form or another, um, the, the gaps between our partners, education, government, um, county, et cetera, would be so huge and vast and no one would be looking out for the business interests. And that's what Chambers of Commerce do. You come to the table, we're the only organization in a community that has their mayor, 
their school superintendent, their fire chief, their community college president, all in one room once a month talking about community issues with business leaders. And some of us do better jobs than others at being proactive and addressing issues before they become critical in a community. And the power of young folks getting engaged in that. Um, we, we tried for a few years. We had our West Side Young Professionals. We had right. Driven. We had other programming to try and attract young people in. And a few years ago, I, to be very honest, they all turned into party functions. That's all it was. They wanted to get together, drink, and even even a dating happy hour, happy hours and matchmaking is what I discovered, um, which is all good and necessary. I was there once too, but um, from a chamber perspective, it wasn't really mission driven or mission centric, and we weren't seeing them engage in other areas. And so it, it became very clear to me and to my board when I said. Everything we do has to be attracting young professionals or we won't exist. That's the bottom line. I said, look around this table six years ago. Look at, as you said, we're all pretty wise and experienced. Um, so we've made a, a distinct effort to try and shift our communication and be where our young professionals are. Um, so that they are hearing from us and we're changing our language so that they can relate to it more. And I think most importantly, the most recent step we've taken is appointing a chair elect who is a young professional and owner with his mom of the barbers in Washington County, Mark Spiegelberg. He has been hugely involved in the Beaverton Chamber for about six years and on the Candidate Endorsement Council, the Advocacy uh, Committee. Um, and you don't see him at Coffee Connections. That's not his jam. But he is engaging young professionals. And I think it took me a while to figure it out. But instead of waiting for them to join and become leaders, we're putting them out there. So we have, now when we look around our board table, we have Kelsey Scotch from Madden Industrial Craftsman. Mark Spiegelberg is chair-elect. Um, Martin Rasmussen from Great Bones, who's a young professional. Troy Cunningham. So we're putting them out there and we're saying, you tell us how you want things done, what we need to deliver to keep this going generationally and into the future. The Beaverton Area Chamber of Commerce is the largest inclusive chamber in the state of Oregon, representing nearly 7,000 members and 625 partners, investing at an increased level. The chamber represents over 135,000 employees and is the catalyst of business growth, convener of business leaders and influencers, and champions of our community. The chamber team are steadfast believers that business is the foundation of a healthy, diverse, and vibrant community. For more information or to become a member or partner, visit beaverton.org. We're kind of shifting then to really turn over the reins, basically. Yes. And and allow younger 
uh, business owners who are chamber members to drive, start driving the ship because and pretty soon we're just going to be passengers, you and I and Dean. Um, That's right. We're, um, we're the, you know, we're the boomers and we're the folks that are going to be transitioning out and they, they not only um, need to take the lead, we need to provide that opportunity for them to just step up and, and grab hold. Okay. Now uh, the other, one of the other things um, Dean shared with me was an interview that you did on the local chamber influencer Facebook. Uh huh. Last week, I think it felt like a year, it feels like a year ago. <laughs> so, Dean, Dean, what what were your thoughts on that, and what you felt that Lorraine could bring to our conversation today? Well, uh, I'm still curious about what happened, what her impression of it was. I know she got to visit with, uh, I, I think it was Barbara. She was from New York. And you guys had an interaction there. So I'm just want to kind of get your feedback on how beneficial it was. Did, did you learn something from mm -hmm. it? Or um, that's, that's kind of because you said you're reaching out. And I know you're reaching out across the country. So I assume that was right. part of it. So just give us a yeah. little report. So that was really fun. Um, Christopher, I believe, is the host of that right. page and show. Uh, so he uh, knew Barbara very, very well, and he had never met me except through you. Thank you, Dean. Um, and he put us together on this show uh, to talk about what we were doing, boots on the ground, uh, a week ago, fairly close to when this whole um, social distancing and business closure started taking place. And it was very fun and, and interesting because Barbara is in her first year of chamber uh, executive director, president, CEO, and I'm here in my 20th. So we had very, very vast, <laughs> vast perspectives and lenses um, uh, and very different communities, needless to say, uh, a small chamber in New York uh, versus Beaverton, Oregon. So um, I absolutely learned from her and I think she did from me. And that's, uh, that's again, the beauty of this technology and connecting. Um, and we immediately after we got off, we exchanged emails. We've exchanged cell numbers. So uh, even, you know, a couple times uh, since then, we've been communicating back and forth and sharing what we're doing. Um, and, and that's exactly what Chamber is about. Um, you know, internal level versus external level. There's, um, there's something really, truly special about Chambers of Commerce in that uh, we're one of the only industries where we tell our fellow competitors you know sure take this idea copy it do it make make your business community healthier because we believe strongly that a win in hillsborough is a win for beaverton is a win for new brunswick and new jersey and and so on and so forth we're we are all about growing and keeping business moving um, so that was a great opportunity i'd never done a stream yard i think it was called Yes. So that that in its own self was a takeaway because now I'm going to be using StreamYard here in Beaverton to conduct candidate endorsement interviews over the next five weeks since we can't convene folks to meet our candidates up for the May election. So um, always learning, always sharing. And I think that's truly the beauty and the nuances of what Chambers of Commerce do both for their members and for one another.
Well, I think too, Lorraine, it was because of the age difference and she was really into the technology already. And that's, that was a good, uh, as we're talking about getting younger entrepreneurs. So she's already using it. So she's a good person to, to learn from and how you're going to adapt it to, to the Beaverton Chamber. But uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed Absolutely. the interview. I watched it all. I enjoyed both of you. So um, I want to swing it round to what is happening right now in our world. Um, let's talk about this, the chamber's response to the COVID-19 thing. And then, you know, I mean, in the introduction, I mentioned that you, you were on in the seat you're in today uh, in 2001 during 9-11. And let's talk specifically about what the chamber is doing in response to COVID-19. And then how it's sure. changed since 9-11. I mean, it's a, obviously a little bit different situation, but um, a big financial uh, boom landed on us. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, obviously, of course, the, the health aspects of it are just devastating. Um, but what are you doing? You know, I know one of the things that you're doing is the Save Small Business Coalition, but that's more of a, a broader approach with other states. Mm -hmm. So we can talk about that. We can talk about what you're doing here in Beaverton specifically. Um, and just how, you know, the, the world is getting smaller and it's inevitable that yeah. we're going to face this kind of thing again. So, mm -hmm. you know, then talk to us too about what are the lessons that we're learning that we can put in the playbook for God forbid, the next time we might have to face something like this. Okay. For, first off, I'll say there has never been, and that includes 9-11, that includes the dot-com bust, that includes 2010 and the recession. Um, there has never been a more vital time for chambers to show their value without participation. Chambers who can do that are going to survive and come out of this well. Chambers who can't, well, I wish them luck. Because this is not a short-term thing in my book. I mean, the, I'm already more concerned about 2021 than I am 2020. Um, the, the impacts, I think, that we're feeling, and we're only in this three weeks, it's, it's going right. to keep going. Right. So this is a very long-term issue. And if we can't show as organizations value of paying dues without participation and networking and events, there's going to be problems. Secondly, I think um, never more has it become more important to me. It's always been very important, but the things I've been able to do in the last couple of weeks and the chamber has been able to do is because of relationships we have built over the years. And that is with our local elected officials and government agencies and first responders, etc. So I have spent my last two weeks, uh, honest to God, working harder than I ever have in my life from home. Uh, lots of phone calls, lots of connecting, and just talking, um, talking and listening, uh, probably listening, uh, number one, talking number two, but drawing on our relationships um, with City Hall, I can call our mayor, um, two weeks ago when I called the economic development manager and I said, Mike, we've got, you know, this is a 911 call from the business community. Um, I've got members, uh, as soon as Governor Brown mandated the restaurant bar closures and social distancing, my phones and email lit up. And, and what I was hearing was not, 
oh, you know, what am I going to do a month from now? It was, this is March 23rd, and I operate on such small margins, I won't be able to pay my rent April 1st. How can you help? Mm-hmm. So that 911 call to the city and the relationships I have in the building and with community development department were absolutely invaluable into what we did accomplish together within 72 hours, which was putting together a $250,000 emergency fund. That was done without the mayor, honestly. That was done without city council approval because of the relationships inside with community development and Cheryl Tweedy, who ordered her, I shouldn't say ordered, asked her department heads um, to look at their budget and sweep it. From March 23rd to June 30th, what can you not expend that we can move to an emergency business assistance fund? And they came up with $250,000 in less than 24 hours. Um, That is the heart and soul of Beaverton, right? Um, So relationships, um, you just, you cannot value them enough. Um, Additionally, uh, taking calls and dealing with one-on-one questions, um, especially now with the um, CARE Act that's come out of Washington, D.C., one of the things, if people are listening, I really want them to be aware of, there's, there's three different um, loans or grant programs in that CARE Act through the SBA. Be careful what you do, um, because they're already working on phase four of this. And my understanding is that um, if you can hold off on applying or receiving some of these initial programs do because if you are granted one you're not going to be eligible for the other two or what might be coming so be mindful be mindful about the resources you're asking for right now uh, because we don't know what might materialize in the next few weeks Um, i've been spending a lot of time with our restaurateurs Um, the government uh, Governor Brown, you know, doing the best she can, I'm sure, in an incredibly tough situation. But a lot of their mandates are not clear. There's not a lot of clarity. So I'm fielding calls, you know, saying, an example, um, Ty Bloom has outdoor dining. So initially it was, I can keep people six feet apart in my outdoor dining. And it was a beautiful week, if you remember last week. Um, Can I, um, can I, um, you know, serve clients and and have people in my outdoor dining area. There was no clear messaging. So using the chamber to connect to the governor's office to try and get clarity around these fast and furious flying regulations and mandates. There's been a lot of that. Um, Heartwarming stories of chamber members helping chamber members. It's it's awesome. Um, Cindy Ball just uh, is, is as we speak, making, um, Uh, masks for uh, restaurant staff. Um, Initially, she was doing it for first responders. Now our restaurants are being asked, uh, are your chefs wearing masks? And up until now, the messaging, you know, we've all been receiving is if you don't have symptoms, you don't need a mask, save them for the first responders. Um, Now we're being told, "Mm, yeah, no, probably everybody uh, should be wearing masks. So Things are shifting. It's fast and furious. I, I, that's what I've been calling uh, life the last few weeks that feels like months. Um, but uh, really trying to be that uh, listener and sometimes even a therapist 
Uh, I'm not a trained therapist, <laughs> but I do a lot of listening and just empathizing with our members that are struggling. Right. So you uh, are obviously in communication with other chamber leaders in other communities, not just here locally in Oregon, but across the country. Um, yes. And I think it's important to know that, you know, I'm kind of prejudiced because I'm a, I'm a Beaverton chamber member. And so I see all these great things, but I also know that it's not just us. Uh, it's not just our chamber that does this. And Absolutely. with the, with the thought that, you know, this podcast will be heard by people in different cities. Um, this is not a one-off story, you know, um, like you said, there's varying degrees of how other chambers do it. Some are better than others, mm -hmm. but this is the role that a chamber plays and why it is so important for any business, regardless of how old the business owner is to, to get engaged, to belong, to, uh, be a part of their chamber community because especially in times like this, you know, where yeah. we need to pull together. Now, the other thing that you hadn't mentioned is some of the other stuff that you're doing the, um, in terms of that whole mental health and staying connected and seeing people, you know, we've been doing for a couple of weeks now, a virtual coffee connection. So we, yes. we've got 30 people's faces in front of us and we're having a, you know, a, a robust conversation. You guys are doing another program. Um, now the, the thought of it, uh, the name of it escapes me, but the couch thing, talk about that. Yes. Couch chats. Yes. Mike and Evelyn are leading that. Um, and they're really a daily opportunity Monday through Thursday. Um, I believe it's 10 to 11. Um, just getting on Zoom and anybody can chime in. Yesterday's conversation, I understand, uh, was a really different audience uh, than who we see on our Friday virtuals. Um, a lot of board members and uh, other folks. And they were really um, sharing uh, and supporting one another again in, in how they're coping, what they're doing, um, and just whatever comes up is kind of the idea. Uh, one of the things uh, that they said they wanted to talk about in today's call, which is going on right now, is specifically the differences between the three SBA programs that are coming out of the CARE Act. And so that's what they're on chatting about today. But they're going to be talking about uh, you know, like you said, mental health tips. Uh, how are how are you coping? Um, I'm joking when I say I, I'm watching our social media and I'm thinking, wow, all these people are talking about wearing their pajamas and playing cards and puzzles all day and whatever. And I can tell you, I've never been more thankful for a job that keeps me productive and busy because I well, lose here, my mind. Here's a funny fact that I heard, uh, I, I listen to Smirconish daily. I think this is where I heard it. Mm -hmm. And, and I want to say Walmart was reporting sales of tops have gone through the roof, but not pants. Yeah, <laughs> I believe it. I believe yeah. it. I'm you can do a, that I'm calculation in your head. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I'm wearing pants, um, by I'm the a way. Thank you, Drew. I appreciate knowing that. <laughs> I am too. <laughs> Um, so yes, I'm back, back to your initial question. Chambers all over. Um, I'm a member of the board of uh, Western Association of Chamber Execs, which is where this small business coalition, not through WAC, but as members, we got together um, and we're talking. Whoops, and there you hear Dandelion. I apologize. Um, 
Uh, where was I? Western Association. Oh, yes. Um, chambers across the nation are, are scrambling and working for their members right now. And as you said, there has never been a more, more important time than now for chamber members to please renew your dues. If you need assistance, we're here to give that to you. Uh, but we can't keep doing what we're doing if we don't have you supporting us as well. So, you know, we're a business. We pay rent. We've got five staff. We've got uh, PGE to pay and everybody else along those lines. And, and we're honestly working harder now than we were two weeks ago um, to try and find ways to support you and uh, all of us get through this together. Yep. And change happens from the ground up, not from the top down. Yes, absolutely. And that's why it's so important to get involved locally. Um, yes. And Dean, do you, do you have any other questions or thoughts? Yes. I think I think we had Lorraine yeah. go to uh, get the dog in or something. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I think, Lorraine uh, went because she heard a blower coming on. <laughs> I think uh, that some of the points we're talking about getting younger folks and um, people involved, and uh, just the, the idea that uh, you know Lorraine has nurtured these relationships with the city over these years, and it wasn't done over uh, you know. Uh, online or because everything eventually gets done in person. I mean, at least most of it. And uh, even uh, even though people use Zoom and those things, but you know, it's still an electric thing. It doesn't mean it's going to be there. It could just crash on us just like it does at times. So building a relationship and uh, putting uh, Mark out there, making him the leader and, 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 and putting young people out there and giving them some responsibility is a great thing to do because when they're involved that way, then other people can see that that the, the chamber has more value than what they think about. Because, you know, even though I'm older than both of you, I'm still young at heart, you know, and I still have a lot <laughs> yes, of you are. And I can share it with them because they haven't accumulated all this stuff yet. So we can benefit and mentor younger businesses, too. So I, that's one of the things about this is a great opportunity for the chamber to get new members at least that's what I believe. So. I joke around uh, with some of our younger uh, professional leaders on the chamber board when they start uh, making comments that I have to respond by saying, you know what, you're just not that special. We were right where you are now. Um, right. And we had, to, we had to learn. We had to put our time in. Um, and that's what we're giving you around our board table and, and in our organization is opportunity personally and professionally. Our business community is an ecosystem and it's the most important ecosystem there is. Um, everything stems from us. If we are healthy, if business is productive, our social services, our government, uh, everything will be healthy. Um, we have to stick in it together. We're not individual in any of this. And um, your local chamber of commerce is truly your front door to the resources and connections that you're going to need over the next year, two years as we come out of this. And I just really strongly encourage everybody to consider that. Uh, we know you have lots of priorities, um, but uh, we're here working 24-7 um, every local chamber is to do the best they can to represent you and get you the needed resources right now in this time. Amen. Amen.
So next week, we're going to be talking to Teresa Springer, who used to be a Beaverton Chamber member. She's up in Vancouver now. Uh, she's a, a loan officer with Movement Mortgage. I've known her for years. She's she's pretty funny lady. But so we wanted to, originally, we're going to talk about, you know, how young people should plan for their first home. But in light of what's happening, uh, and I think this is going to be relevant for everybody, is she's going to give us a lifetime of experience and insight as to what she's hearing as an industry insider for those who are in process of a home loan um, and what's going to happen with that, those who hold mortgages and what she's hearing from the inside about how any kind of pending legislation or what might happen with people who are out of work by no fault of their own, who are now unable to cover their mortgage. Um, so that I think will be an interesting conversation. Lorraine, I want to thank you so much for your time today and the great insights and information you gave us about what the depth of what the chamber uh, and again, not just the Beaverton Chamber, but chambers across the country are doing Absolutely. on a regular basis in normal times and particularly in times when we really need our chambers the most. So thanks for that. Thank you, Drew. It's, it's an honor. Um, and that was a, truly an honor to be your first podcast participant. Boom. So I hope we performed, uh, performed well and, and we're a little bit entertaining in all this seriousness. Hey, thanks for listening, and that's all for this episode. To listen to more episodes of YDS, visit youdon'tsay.net. If you know someone who you think would be an interesting interview or an interesting topic that you'd like to hear a conversation about, send your ideas and other feedback to info at youdon'tsay.net. I'm Drew Zagorski, and I'll see you on the next episode. No, really. <laughs>